Ah, Grand Moth Tarkin, I am honored by your visit. Welcome to Grand Moth Talk and delicately curated long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga tailored to the modern fanatic brought to you lovingly in weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your host, Riley. It looked like you were reading it. No, I was not. <laughs> Jake. <Okay>. Not reading it. <laughs> and me, Jasmine, I wasn't reading it. Hello. Hello. Your eyes kept drifting to the screen. I took oh. a drink and I thought that you were saying that it looked like I was reading the drink that I took, which doesn't make <laughs> sense. No, that doesn't no, make rusty. sense. So you... We are <laughs> rusty. Okay, it's been a full month since we've recorded. Yeah! The episode hey. you heard last week was recorded Christmas Day, uh, if it that tells was. you anything. Yeah. yeah. Look, so guys. it's been a while since we've done this. Sorry Look. we missed some weeks, but you may have heard... If you if you live in the United States, you might have heard. If you live on uh, the Earth, if you live anywhere Earth. else, it's possible yes. you might have heard things have been a little crazy here. Little cray cray. So there have been some crazy things happening. We took the launch of a new Star Wars books. <laughs> yeah, new Star Wars books. I mean, <laughs> it just really list. turned this country upside down. Yes. So uh, <laughs> anyway, we took a couple weeks impromptu i haven't really been paying super close attention to the news but i think there was an insurrection of bookstores <laughs> yes that was yes. it that's what happened that was it. they stormed they <sighs> stormed the barnes and noble <laughs> would that it were so simple <laughs> anyway we're not going to talk about that today because that no. sucks we're going to talk about something <laughs> that's uh not that that doesn't really suck. We we have a we have a classic GMT really. episode for you today. Just classic. Like, yeah, like a throwback. Been, doesn't it feel like a while since we've done a classic episode? Sometimes we just so. decide to do a classic. Sometimes yes. we're like, let's make this one let's good do a and classic. classic. Yep. I um there was an interview with uh Radiohead like in Rolling Stone or something around the time when they released In Rainbows. And one of the guys in the band was like we felt like we had released three classic albums, so we just needed like one more to seal the deal. And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, is that all?" So you just decided to make a, and it was annoying because it was a classic album. It's like that would be a douchey comment. He was right, but it was true. <laughs> he was, yeah. Must Darn be it, nice I hate when people are right. Ed O'Brien. So Ed anyway, we're right. This is a classic episode. We're, we're going. Right. You know it already. Well, some of us have read a book, mm. as some we have of us. before. I wonder who. And some of us are going to talk about the book, and some of us are going to convince someone else to read a book, and then she's never going to read it. <laughs> much like two, much like two thirds of this book was good. Two thirds of this podcast have read <laughs> this book. Spoilers for our feelings on the book. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you're about right. Um, we should probably set up the big thing in general which is just the high republic yeah, yeah. oh hi republic ohio republic ohio republic mm. and we record in ohio the ohio republic yes Spoiler alert, don't dox us. it's all connected mm-hmm. yeah don't dox us for living in ohio it's all connected it all rhymes <laughs> but the high republic is this huge thing and it's kind of like the 
you know, your classic EU big ongoing sagas like New Jedi Order. Um, mm-hmm. But kind of Fate with the of bigger... The Jedi. Yeah, kind of with like the bigger marketing push of something like Shadow of the Empire, which yes. they kind of marketed and treated as a film. And I don't think they've announced like toys for this yet, but it feels like... There's a TV show. There's a TV um, show. There's already a VR game. Yeah. Yeah. This feels like this feels like the new like fresh start for the new EU. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It does. It feels because it's something so far I'd say a solid 90% of books released have been Maybe not 90. That might be a little high. 75% of the Disney era books have been journey to blank. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. They've been like, here, books about Force Awakens, book about Rogue One, books about Last Jedi. Like, and they've all been yeah. kind of related to the other things coming out. And this is the first real big push to something unrelated to the Skywalker saga in the Disney era when it comes to books. And it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's funny, when we were talking about um, New Jedi Order, which you're not out of the woods yet, we're going to get back to it. Someday. It's going to happen. We've read one of the books about six months ago <laughs> and <laughs> forgotten everything that happened in yeah. that book, Couldn't so tell you have to reread it. it. I've got a, some of them on my shelf right now just waiting to be talked about. Yeah. But I think one thing that we mentioned was that it felt like this new EU was lacking ongoing series. Because mm-hmm. kind of the only thing that's been an ongoing we had the aftermath trilogy which mm-hmm. i think we all really like all of us that have read them all of us that have read it <laughs> um <laughs> and that was great but it, you know it was a trilogy and it was self-contained and then yeah. there's this thrawn saga that none of us are into i and gave up i gave up in the first 50 pages of the second book on the Thrawn yep. series. Same here. And they just, and now there's like another Thrawn trilogy that also mm. isn't connected to Rebels. Really? Oh, I just can't deal with it. So no, we've needed something like this. That's like, this is the Canon universe for books. There's, you know, characters that exist only in the books. This, this new EU has had that stuff, but it's all been really, um, I don't know self-contained selective and i don't know mostly in comics i mean the comics has always been very expansive and interconnected Mm -hmm. yeah but this has been in the works since 2014 i just found out the star wars started uh releasing i think starting today the high republic show uh which i watched just before uh we were started recording and it's great nice but then you go on twitter and find out all the bad all the bad people who are yeah. bad and mean. To I went on Twitter. I wanted to punch people. And came to the, I came to the shocking realization that there are a bunch of racists on Twitter. That's weird. I don't believe it. <laughs> it's awful. It it just sucks that it always comes it's up and ridiculous. it's just like Star Wars is like here's a YouTube show talking about a book and some people are like no, <laughs> it's not okay. That's why I don't. That's why I don't go on Twitter anymore. I don't either. And the one time Sorry I did, if you try to I, contact me on Twitter, I don't see it. Yeah, no. And I just I I go on Twitter and I see things like this and I immediately log out. Yep. I just want to like my High Republic. I want to like my High Republic. Too. I want my MTV. I want my High Republic. Uh, so the way this came about is like six 
or seven writers. I can't remember all who all it was. I know Claudia Gray, Kevin Scott, um, Daniel Soul. Jose Older, Charles Charles Soul. Do you have the list up? There's a couple other writers that yeah. all. Well, yeah. Who's the one who wrote the young adult novel? Because that's a big yeah. one. Yeah. A Test of Courage, Justina Ireland. Yes. Um. Anyway, this whole group went on like a full-on week-long retreat to Skywalker Ranch, locked themselves in a big conference room, and thought... Yeah, I, honestly, it sounds like a, like a dream. I mean, um, I would love it, even like if I just got to sit in there and listen. But you're they just in a conference sat... room that doesn't have any memorabilia in it. It's just a plain conference room. Just a plain but conference in... room where they talk about <laughs> Star Wars. Here's a blank room. <laughs> I mean, literally, they just they pretty much did a podcast without recording it. We've yes. we've we've done a full week's worth of content. I'm sure sitting in a room talking about star wars it's uh, great imagine all that content that's just imagine all the content out there but no they sat down and they came up with this idea the era that they wanted to explore the 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 conflict that the the jedi are going through that seeing the jedi at their peak and it, it all kicked off with charles soul's book light of the jedi which is what we are talking about today uh, with more books to come. In, in a, just a few days, Claudia Gray's book is coming out, and I'm very excited for that. Yeah, which is apparently not the sequel to this. It is not. The sequel to this is um, Kevin Scott is is writing it, and it yeah. doesn't come out until, like, June. <laughs> but, man, I'm so excited for Claudia Gray's book. Yeah. But what this book does, and it's part of why I didn't like this book in the very beginning, Oops. is it is a huge introduction to this universe. Um, and I noticed a lot of I – was, I was reading about the books that are coming out in the beginning, and they all feature Jedi who are introduced in this book. So I think Charles Soule, his, his uh, agenda was to introduce – this era because the only character alive actually that's not true there are a couple recurring characters but there's a few um characters that are alive at the time of phantom menace who are still alive now yoda Yariel being poof. one of them although yeah yario poof is in it opo rancisis and yoda are the three that are in this book but yoda's only mentioned really he's not really mm. in this book okay i want to talk about this the high republic in general because yeah do it I'm so into this aesthetic, and I feel like so far, having read most of this book, I haven't quite finished it, but I went ahead and spoiled myself for the ending. Um, mm. It was not you pulled surprising. <laughs> it's not a surprising ending. I mean, There's I no didn't, big twists. I kept waiting. I, I didn't feel like I spoiled myself. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. Okay, um, I kept waiting for something like big to happen and it's just like oh no it's, it's all just, the beginning of the book it's just over <laughs> um so i feel like so far 70 percent of the reason why i'm really into this is because of the artwork and the aesthetic and like it's grounding in u.s history which is very much the gilded age of the united states which is a really cool idea for a star wars era like this whole thing is Oh man, isn't it great how the galaxy is? There's all this economic expansion. The 
chancellor is building all of these amazing it's called the great works project and it's like we're building statues let's go colonize let's go colonize the outer rim that yes. would be bad let's go colonize infrastructure statues yep. of generals that'll always be cool to look at this is like, a book literally about building highways it is oh you've got to build bypasses we learned that in oh my hitchhiker's God. guide it is like it's really kind of about that. And like the chancellor is all like, um, I kind of have the, like this big building opening soon. So we kind of <laughs> have to resolve this issue. So we don't delay the grand opening of my political legacy. So I, I really I'm... like this thing and it does a good job of like, it, it is, it's the gilded age of star Wars because like, it'll just mention briefly, like all these poor people are suffering over here, but I eh, don't worry about that. And maybe it's slavery right. still exists in some parts of the galaxy, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. But everything looks great. And so I, I love all that stuff. I love the way this looks. All the character designs are great. But to get into this, this book, just like, I really had a hard time getting into it. And people are really into this book. It's it's gotten, like, great reviews. I've seen almost nothing but good things about it. I don't I definitely, know. I don't know. I definitely... Um... Let me see. I wrote a note somewhere. I definitely was into it more by the end of the book than I was at the beginning. I was very excited for this. I didn't go in with like high expectations, but I expected to like it. Um, and boy, in the beginning, I was just very worried. I I yeah. got a stat here for you. Um, I love me a stat. <laughs> the first seven chapters of this book... Each chapter introduces a new group of people, not even like a new character, a new group of three or four people that you have to remember who they are. The first seven chapters, we don't go back to a single one of those groups. Out of those seven groups, four of them don't return in the book in like any meaningful way. Like a lot of them die. A lot of them die right off the bat. Like the 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 group spoilers in chapter one is about a b- group of people dying, but then there's three other groups in those first seven chapters who don't really come back. They don't they don't matter for the book. So the beginning of the book to me felt so uh, like insurmountable. Like I couldn't I couldn't. It was so it was such a slog to get through because I'm constantly learning new names and. A lot of these people don't matter, and I you don't know what's going on, and the mystery is part of the thing. Like you don't know what's going on, but it was just a little too much. Uh, so I was really worried at the beginning of, of the book. What did you think, Jake? Yeah, let's talk about the beginning. I I totally agree. I had the same feeling of like this is like going down a Wikipedia rabbit hole where you're just like yes. I'm going to have to go back and reread this because it's just, it's so many names. It's a lot of names. It's a lot of shoe leather and it's a lot of, a lot of business going on. And what's really weird about it is that technically like Charles soul is trying to create like basically the exact plot of the great disaster of this huge inciting incident is just the movie unstoppable. Wasn't that With big Chris of a disaster, Pine, if you ask me? Wasn't that great? Yeah, you know, the great disaster is Charles <laughs> Soule's dialogue. But, um, <laughs> but 
I love the movie Unstoppable. We just watched it like a couple weeks ago. It's a great movie, and it's about a runaway train. And oh my god, this train just keeps getting faster and faster. And if we don't slow this thing down, it's going to crash into a big explodey thing, and people are going to die. And it's like that, except it's the ship that came out of hyperspace, and it's careening toward this, you know, system. And there's a bits of shrapnel. Planet. And they even, like... The, resolution the whole planet is it. one big farm. <laughs> it really is the root and the fruit, baby. <laughs> I don't. I didn't like that. I'm just gonna be honest with you. There's, there's the root thing. system there's and the fruit system. But yeah, like even the resolution of the thing is like, oh well, what if we can get behind it and like attach to it and go the opposite direction? We can slow it down, which is what they do in Unstoppable. Anyway, it should be this very like propulsive intro, but weirdly like there's i felt like there was no sense of pacing to this like no you would get really into it or i would get really into it and then all of a sudden we would stop and be like okay here's the relationship between nine new jedi whose names you have <laughs> to learn and they all have their unique ways with the force and they all are at different yet, points in their training <laughs> and yet they all speak the same way in dialogue it's yes! like it's like one it's like a character talking to himself in dialogue that changes by the end of the book in my opinion i the feel whole like the cast is one big character the whole cast is one big <laughs> character i feel like by the end of this book i don't know how he writes i'm assuming he writes in chronological order he starts with chapter 1 and moves on i don't know if that's how he writes it felt by the end of the book he had a better grasp of these individual characters and and not just like who they were because we get a description of who they are and how they act in in every chapter they're introduced. However, oh, when they're talking to each other, they are indistinguishable. You could you could change any name with any other name and it would not matter. By the end of the book, I in my opinion that was different and I feel like it might have benefited him <laughs> I'm not saying this is his first draft. He's a professional writer. I'm sure he did this. But it might have been better if he had gone back to the beginning of the book and maybe changed some things up to make these characters more distinct when you're first introduced to them. That I 100% felt that way. I felt like every one of these characters talked the same, which is kind of a prequel problem, right? Is like yes. every character kind of just sounds the same. And you're mm-hmm. told what their personality traits are, but they don't, it doesn't always come through on screen. And that's that's what it felt like for a long time. Like, even your... Actually, no. I felt like the more, like, incidental side non-Jedi characters had more personality. Yeah. You're right. But I this think is it was so mostly focused Jedi on the Jedi. Like that. Yeah. 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 And you're kind of, like, excited to, like, see, oh, what's the relationship between all these Jedi? And Charles Soule is like, well, I'm going to tell you what it is. And just to <laughs> pretend that that's what's happening. But, uh, yeah, were... like you said, I really felt like by the midpoint and towards the end, the character – and I did – and, like, I don't feel that it's, like, I've come to really love these characters. Because I'll be honest, I didn't really love these characters There's a first. couple that I am really excited about seeing more of, and that's about it. Yeah. And I don't love any of them. Talking about the characters – That's what I was going to ask. Like, is there, any, is there any standout characters at all? I have a whole chart of the characters and how there's a lot of standout names and I definitely (laughs) we're going to do a name section because we got to do it. We We might have to update our bad Star Wars name list is all I'm going to say. The next episode will just be High Republic edition of of High Republic. Worst name in High Republic in in the light of the Jedi book. (laughs) It's in the first book of this four year project. I so. okay. 
the main character of this book is really Avar Chris, who, if you've yeah. like seen the cover of the book, is the um, like blonde Jedi with like the cool headpiece. And and by main character, we mean we get her point of view for about six chapters of the entire book. But yes, continue. <laughs> yeah, through the great disaster thing, like through the unstoppable yes. in space. She's definitely the sp- spearheading that rescue mission. Yeah, and then it feels like through uh, much of the protagonist's journey, it's her and what, Elzar Man. I wish we'd gotten more of Elzar Man. I like Elzar Man. Elzar Man was probably, he's a standout for me, for sure. I if you're really talking about like standout characters. I really like Avar Chris. I like. Yeah. Yeah, I, but here's the thing. Like, I love her force powers, and mm-hmm. I love her character design. But I don't feel like, and I, I like. I don't know. She is our like the ideal of what a Jedi should be. She's just right. hope and optimism. She believes in the order. I feel so certain that she's gonna die in like two books. Okay. I like you they just so? are, they really want you to love this character. And this book is I, not shy about killing off people. I do wonder if it was intentional um, to some degree the way the Jedi are because they are supposed to be at their prime. They're supposed to be very Jedi-like, which if you follow the Jedi teachings, you're going to be a boring old sad sack because (laughs) that's kind of what the Jedi philosophy leads to you being. Um, And near the end of the book, I don't know if you got to this point, Jake, because I know you skipped to the end, but there, there's definitely there's a relationship between Elzar and Avar. Yes, which their names are very similar. I know. There, there's, there's definitely more than your average Jedi acquaintance, you know, relationship there. Nothing that they would act on, but they like each I, other. I definitely get the most like Obi Wan vibes from those two. Where Obi Wan, he's considered like the ideal Jedi and everything, but he's also got like personality. Whereas a lot of Jedi just don't have personality. Mace Windu doesn't have a personality. He might be a great Jedi, but I wouldn't want to sit down and have a beer with him, you know? Um, Yeah. He always seems like he's had about four beers by the time he sits (laughs) in his poop chair. (laughs) There's that, that too. But but these Jedi also, uh, uh, way too many of them have that same vibe where, like, I wouldn't want to have a beer with you. You seem really boring. But there are a couple standouts, standouts like Avar Chris and Elzar Mann, uh, who seem pretty fun. They <laughs> and they've got fun. more going on. Let's let's talk about Avar Chris for a second. All right, it's Jasmine. I'm selling you on this book right okay. now. Okay, okay, okay. What Cha-ching. if I told you? What if I told you that the, she just does battle meditation, but they just Ooh. don't call it that? Yeah, they don't say the words, but that's what she does. Why don't it's they very, just say the words? That's her specialty, right, is battle meditation. So but they're her trying thing to replace is, Bastila. And, but she's not very much like Bastila. She's not like her whole really. thing is that she's see and boy, are they going to hit you on the head with this every paragraph of an Avar <laughs> Chris chapter. She sees the Force as a song. And oh, really? So... I hadn't noticed that, Jake. You think they would have mentioned it maybe about two dozen times? <laughs> by the time, like, by the, like, the second chapter, I was like, are they really going to keep saying it? And it's through the whole thing. Hmm. They but really, really do it. Real quick, though, on, on, on that note, I actually liked that because I did too. I, there were about five instances where a Jedi says, I see the Force like this. 
Um, yeah. and, and she was the only one who sees it like a song. S- you know, someone sees it more as like a math equation. Someone sees it as more um, like like a visual thing. Like Bell there are Zeta so Far many different ways. Like, as that... like flames or something. Yeah. And, and each Jedi has their own um, personal connection to the Force that differs from everyone else. And I kind of liked that point. They didn't need to hit it on the head so many times that she hears it like a song. Yeah, I like I like the point, though. That's That's kind of interesting. It's a good way of describing it. Yeah, that was definitely neat. It's cool. It's this is kind of this book. There's a lot of cool ideas, and they bludgeon you with the cool <laughs> ideas until yeah. you're sick of them, and you're like, "Haven't I read this idea like nine times by now?" But Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I like Avar Chris, and yeah, that's a good point, Riley. That a lot of these Jedi, especially for the first like two thirds of the book, are like very much defined by how they see the Force. And mm-hmm. I like this stuff. This is stuff that, like, as somebody who, until we started doing this podcast, like, had never read any of the books. When I started getting into the EU and, like, there were these, like, force specialists, I was like, this is kind of goofy. I don't even... But then I got super into Why it. Why is this guy a healer only and right. like that? Yeah. But... I kind of dig it now, and this book is definitely into that. We're like, okay, her specialty yeah. is this. Elzar Man's specialty make, is it, this. It kind of makes sense because in in the real world, I think everybody has the potential to learn a skill and to be good at something. But it's an undeniable truth that some people are born with a talent and pick things up faster, you know? So while any Jedi could sit down and become a master healer, there are going to be people whose personality and just natural abilities gravitate towards a a special uh, or a type of force use, you know? So it, it makes sense, and I think this book handles it fairly well. There's always somebody who graduated at the bottom of their force medical school. But it, you know. There's always a bigger graduating medical <laughs> for school user. That's what we say on this show. <laughs> who do we got? We, well, we have to talk about the coolest character in the book. Wait, let me guess who you're going to say. The coolest character in the book, and it's not Elzar Man because no. we didn't get enough of him. Is it Loden Greatstorm? No, that's the coolest name in the book, but that's that not is a cool, the coolest character. That is a cool name. Who's the coolest <sighs> character? It's Briaga. Oh, totally, 100%. You're right. Oh. Briaga. He's a Wookiee Jedi. Oh. He's a Wookiee Jedi. All right. And he rules. And he's I wish cool we got more than one chapter with him. Only. Oh, my God. He senses feelings. He better get his own book. We, well, we get more than one chapter with him, but there's only one we chapter one that's cha- really- We only get one chapter from his, from point, his point of view. view. Yeah. 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 And, that's true. And to me, this is the first time I know of that we get something from a Wookiee's point of view like this. Where we're hearing his thoughts, his frustrations at no one understanding him, because um, he's like he he does this really heroic thing in the beginning of the book, and he saves a lot. He's like responsible for saving the lives that are saved um, from this great disaster. His so specialty he is gets kind invited. of like he's an empath too, right? Like he kind yeah. of connects with emotions, which is great. They were they were so so. What happens in the beginning of this book is a ship is in hyperspace. Um, another ship somehow jumps in front of it in hyperspace and it crashes into it. And then throughout the galaxy, pieces of this ship are coming out of hyperspace at at different points on different planets. And no one can predict where it's coming from. Um, 
But this Wookiee Jedi, Buryaga, he's the first one to recognize that they didn't know what it was. They just know big hunks of metal are coming out of space. He's the first one to recognize that there are actually people on board these giant hunks of metal, uh, which leads to them saving some of these people. So he gets invited to this party uh, to, like, celebrate saving some people and like he gets a little i don't think he gets a medal but it's that type of ceremony you know he's got to wait for maz on the medal yeah he's got to wait for Maz. as we all know the only person in the universe qualified to hand out medals to wookies is maz kanata she gives medals to wookies that's that's her her job (laughs) so oh you know what maz is alive right now she could show up in this series well that would be cool we have one sequel connection which we'll get to we do have one sequel connection. So anyway, his chapter, I was just like, I loved it. It was the best. It was my favorite chapter of the book because he, again, is empathic and he like kind of gravitates towards this one little boy who lost his parents in the disaster. And it leads again to him helping out and then discovering more about what happened. But seeing this party from his point of view his awkwardness at the party his frustration that no one can understand him his frustration that he has to sit there and say things to them that they just then give him a blank stare it was a it was a great chapter i love and that's kind of where the book turned around for me because yeah that was after the the first third and we're getting into the next half of the book and it was just like oh this is getting a lot better yes i agree that character is cool I hope we get more of him. Um, he's already like the fan favorite. I think we're I think we're gonna get more of this. Oh, you know yeah. who else is cool is Skier. Yes, Trandoshan Jedi. Oh. He rules. He rules too. He's That's in the comic. I mean, a lot of these characters cross over. Yeah, there's a bit about him about like how rare Trandoshan Jedi are, and because of just. <laughs> Because of their natural inclinations towards violence and hatred and things like that, I guess. Well, that's but, kind of what they hint at in his appearance in the comic. Is that he's he's got all this rage. Yeah, he's 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 definitely got Mace Windu vibes, where he's just like there's a lot under the surface with this guy, but um, he, yeah, it, they made the point that like. Sometimes, even when they discover a Force-sensitive Trandoshan child, the Jedi will go, they'll investigate, and they won't take the child. Even if it's, like, young enough to train, they're just like, no, we're not going to take this one. So they're just, like, Force-sensitive Trandoshans out there who were never trained. It feels like some sloppy recruitment work on the Jedi's part. It does, but it was, like, an interesting note. This angry, violent, Force-sensitive person... Let's leave that person in the wild. It feels very negligent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is the thing. Like, the Jedi Order is not perfect. You can already see some issues. They're not quite cracks. full prequel mode. But it's also, like, they, they keep on saying in all the promotional stuff, like, this is the height of the Jedi. I'm not convinced mm-hmm. that this is the height of the Jedi. I think it's I- their height, like, in terms of their political clout. Yeah. And they're, you know, kind of the lack of obvious problems. I think the inherent problem with the Jedi is that they can't get they can't get too big or they will eat themselves. You can't 
They should be an indie band. They should be an indie Not band. Not a stadium act. They were cooler before other people discovered them. Um, no, but That's it's right. just like once they get to a certain size and they are involved in galactic politics, I think their philosophy breaks down. Once they are involved in warfare on a grand scale, their philosophy can break down. And it's happened before. I mean, in this book, they make reference to um, the great Sith War and millennia past and stuff like that. So it's like they didn't outright say, don't worry, KOTOR is, can still be canon. But it's just like this This is not the beginning of the Jedi. This is, uh, this is a peak for them, um, maybe. But where the Jedi peak is always going to lead to their downfall because once they become involved in galactic politics on a grand scale, then they're, they, they just aren't going to last long there, which we know. I mean, they, they can't truly be a neutral, peaceful party if they're going to be involved with one side of a galactic, you know, presence. Yeah. And in this book, I think there are, I think it is intentional the times where they talk about their relationship with the Republic, um, which happens a lot later on during the prequel era. But like, once they start putting the Republic over the Force, then that's that's always going to lead to bad things for the Jedi. And in this book, they aren't there yet. They still trust in the Force more than they trust in the Republic. But they're definitely on their way to being too involved in the Republic. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I think that's all intentional. Oh, uh, yeah, I think it is intentional. Yeah, I was a little surprised like how quickly... The book introduces the fact that, like, yeah, yeah, Chancellor So? Well, so, Lena So. Lena So. S-O-H. Um, that's right. Um, I, was, I was surprised at how quickly she's like, okay, well, the Jedi are obviously my dudes, and so I'm going to send them out on a mission. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay, so that's already happening. Um, but there's also just a lot more Jedi spread throughout the galaxy Yeah, that have their own, like, you know, autonomy so that's that's kind of different it's it's definitely like the council is not deciding everything we don't even meet the council or think about the council until like chapter 38 i was gonna say there's a referenced there's a little interlude near the end of the book that is the jedi council talking about what's going on but up until that point all these jedi are kind of making decisions independent of the council but, you know, like, this council has um, <clears throat> three people on it. Yoda's on a sabbatical, it says, so he's not actually around at the moment. And I wonder yeah, how long that's going to last. Sabbatical? Like, how long is that going to last? He's got to show up at some point, right? He has to go He has to go breed with his species to oh, save them, right? maybe that's what he's doing. He's making more babies. Oh, more man. We didn't even think about that. <laughs> but... But yeah, there are three people on the Jedi Council, including Yoda, who are also on the Council in the Phantom Menace. So it's just like these. This is not the downfall of the Jedi, but the seeds are planted, and the people who oversee the downfall are there, which is interesting. Yeah, it's true. I did not realize that Yariel Poof lived that long, but there you go. Yeah, Yariel. He's a he hangs in there. Yep. And the snake guy. Oppo, Oppo, Rancisis. Um, okay. 
I I want to talk about let, let, let's read some things. Okay. Okay. Let's read some parts of this book. They don't have to be dramatic readings, but maybe we can get into like some issues with the writing that we had because I think we both had some problems. I think we've talked about the good stuff. Yeah. There's and good stuff. I think we should do I want to do a section on um, just like briefly cool ideas things that yes. don't merit a long discussion but like oh that was really cool that's a great idea uh, so let's do that section after we rag on the book a little bit <laughs> yes I I'm with you here okay so like okay I'm gonna read this I don't remember why I highlighted this so I'll read it and if it sucks then we'll cut it out <laughs> I I think Part of the reason was this is early on in the book and the action starting to kick in and we get this. For settlers willing to pay for the increased comfort and convenience, some had droid-operated auto canteens in private sleeping compartments, but not many. These people were frugal. If they'd had credits to begin with, they probably wouldn't be heading to the outer rim to scrape out a future. The dark edge of the galaxy was a place of challenges both exciting and deadly more deadly than exciting in truth um part I just of that fell was asleep. part of that was i think because it was interesting how they're like they're already looking down on like the settlers yeah it's like ah oh, well they, they wouldn't even be in the situation if they weren't so poor <laughs> which is a cool idea but it's also just i don't know it's kind of clunky in the way it's written it's there's a lot of things like that where it's just like you talked a little too much there's one in particular, I remember it's in the early chapters. I I don't think I marked it down, but a new character, a new Jedi gets introduced and she ends up being a, like an okay Jedi. I, I liked her. I think she ends up dying. Um, but Tayami, I think it was her. She dies. It, it might've been someone else. I really can't remember. That's the problem with the beginning of this book is it all just flew over my head. Um, or in one ear and out out of my head. You know how they say. Yeah, yeah, um, the classic yeah. expression. <laughs> but she gets introduced and the character's like, oh, hello, blank. And then we get like a four paragraph break explaining who this Jedi is. And it's clunky and it's just like, okay, this could be a cool character, but you're just telling me everything about this. And then they go back after those four paragraphs to the dialogue, like the interrupted dialogue scene with that. Then they go back to the dialogue and none of that comes through in her dialogue and it feels clunky. And there are several moments like that where it's just like, could just, just make, just make that like evident in the dialogue instead of telling me about it in this weird way. They're explaining, not showing. Yes, exactly. Is, is it this section? Hello, Loden said. My name is Loden Greatstorm. I am a member of the Jedi Order. My apprentice here is Bell Zedifar. We're here to help. What's happening? Why aren't you being allowed to board that ship? One of the men looked up at the guards on the compound wall, then back to Loden. Because the ship belongs to the family that lives in the fancy house on the other side of that gate with all the spikes on it. They're called... Renocorous. They pay those guards to make sure no one's gonna fly out of here but them. They're getting ready to leave, packing their fancy socks or some garbage like that, taking their time while the rest of us wait out here. And it's just like literally like, Stop. Stop. It's just telling this, everything. I don't know uh. why, but I just got like a like a 
back to the future type of vibe where you're like writing old timey words and trying to make them sound old timey but it just comes off as feeling clunky and like you're trying to make it sound old timey it just yeah I don't know. It I was just know. like, it's... there's a lot of stuff like that where it's just like, hi, my name is so-and-so. This is so-and-so. We do this. What's going on? And the characters would be like, okay, well, here's what's going on. And like, we don't get to like discover what's going on. It's not very fluid at all. Yeah. It's just kind and... of, it's just kind of boring. And that's what a lot of the beginning of the book is. That's, there yeah. Is... And I would say that is a lot of the beginning. I Maybe I either got immune to it or he got better by, about it by the end, but I didn't I feel notice like it. it gets better a little bit. Yeah. It's just weird. Like, I, and I understand that this is the first book, so it has to do a lot of world building. But it felt yes. like it wasn't that much of a. St- I mean, we're backseat novel writing here, but like, given all of the action going on and how distinct the character personalities end up being, it feels like a lot of this stuff just could have been revealed as Star Wars often does through action instead yeah. of stopping and being like, Hey, what's going on? Who are you? And what's your name? This and is what's what your I'm going to be like in this novel. Just get ready. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I feel like once it gets into it, it's good, but there's like, yeah. there's literally a scene. I won't read it, but the one thing that all writers make fun of that you would never want to do for bad exposition is, how long have you and I known each other? Or as we all know, you're my uncle, you know, that kind of thing. And there is literally a scene where Avar Chris is like, well, I know you both know this, but hyperspace works this way. And then Elsar <laughs> man's like, of course they both know that we all know that. Yeah. And it's like, well, then why are you saying it? You know, it's just for us, the audience. And it's just very overtly bad. It's just bad. I wonder if part of that is because um, each chapter is a, a character's like internal thoughts, um, different characters. But like this book is not because see, like that could be something you could explain in exposition and just like out of character, you know, just briefly have a sentence about what hyperspace is like. But you can't right. do it, I guess, because it would be the character thinking it. And then that makes it weird. So then you have to come up with a way for them to say it in dialogue. And it's just like, I don't know. It's the book writing from like the, this is what it always throws me for a loop. And I never notice it until like it's brought to my attention or something. But the perspective that books are written from like first person or third person, I don't know. I my my brain hurts when I think about stuff like that. I just (laughs) read a book. So I don't know what's going on. What's happening? Where am I? This book was written in the third person. Okay. There we go. Sure. What's second is, person? There is no second person. Is there? Why well, not? That's when you can Why just see the them? gun and not the guy's head. No, if you see the gun, that's first person. Yeah, first person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the RPG of books? <laughs> yeah. Well, Phasma. Platformer. Uh, anyway. <laughs> What, what is, is the, the platformer, platformer of books? <laughs> I guess like where the wild things are. It's just like all like imagery and stuff. Or one of those pop-up books. Pop-up books are the platformers of <laughs> Those books. are the platformers. <laughs> We're cracking the code. Books. Okay, we figured it out. Uh Yeah, there's I didn't take I didn't get a, take a lot of notes of sections like that that were clunky, but they are unfortunately all over the beginning of this book. I took notes of good stuff. I I, I think too. a lot of the 
you know, explanations of the Force are really cool. And that's something that, especially in a book with so many Jedi and where the Force is so central constantly, and, like, you want to be showing off how much the Jedi are using the Force, how strong it is. Like, it it does a good job of, like, constantly finding cool new ways to explain the Force. I just always, I feel like so, like, early on, this all just comes at the expense of the fact that there's a friggin' freight train that's about to that's coming at hyperspeed towards a planet. Yes. So it's weird when you stop and are like, "Hey, by the way, this system is kind of known for farming, and they export this." And it's <laughs> right. just like, "Why does it stop?" I don't care about that. I just need to know. Yeah, if you decide to start the book with the great disaster, then you probably need to hold off on the exposition until the second part of the book. Uh, just because it did it did mess up the pacing for sure. It's like in a video game when you have like you have this really time sensitive thing in an RPG and you're like, you need to get to this place or all these people are going to die. But, you know, in the back of your head, you're like, actually, I could do like a bunch of side missions and it doesn't matter. And then I can go do that mission later. That's what it felt like. It's just like everyone's going to die. But let's just take a chapter and talk about how they farm fruits on this moon. <laughs> That's a great comparison, actually. That's good, yeah. Makes the stakes are really sense. high, but hang on. What's the economy like here? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of stuff like that. And it it's just so weird because there's such a natural breather after this. I just felt the whole time, like, because the way it's structured is, you know, we're from this person's point of view, 75 minutes to impact. You know, 60 minutes in fact, 15 minutes in. It, and it kind of reminded me of like the scene in like Austin Powers or like Dr. Evil is like getting in a spaceship to go away and like the countdown starts at like 30 instead of 10. And it's like, what you're destroying the tension. Why are we starting 30 seconds away? And like for this, it's like, why are we starting 75 minutes away from the problem? This yeah. feels like in, in a Star Wars movie, this should be like the first. 15 minutes like this is like a cool action sequence but it goes on for like over a hundred pages yeah and it just felt like oh my god (laughs) like the tension is gone i just want this to be over with you start the last jedi with poe in his x-wing facing down the star destroyer you don't start with poe waking up taking a shower getting into his x-wing and then flying up you know you like and explaining like captain kennedy had been going through a really tough time recently (laughs) right you know it's just like we don't it's captain kennedy we don't care yes so that kind of stuff is always tough in star wars novels i mean because it has to be a novel but i also like i I've been reading a lot during quarantine, and I, but not a lot of Star Wars stuff. So at first I was like, am I just being snobby, and this is just how Star Wars books are? But then I started reading the Justina Ireland young adult book, and I immediately connected with it so much harder. Like, is it's it just, good? It's good. I haven't gotten very far into it, but I just felt okay. like the writing was so much better. And like, yeah. I don't know that like the stakes are as high or the characters are as memorable or whatever, but I was immediately like, no, no, no. This is well written, and this feels Star Warsy. That's why I'm very excited for Claudia Gray's novel because I think I think this book did a good job of getting me excited for The High Republic uh which for some reason I was not a couple weeks ago like I don't know I, it's not like I wasn't excited for it but it's just I was kind of indifferent towards it and after this book despite the the slow start I am I'm excited to read more novels I'm excited to learn more about some of these characters because they're very cool um 
Yeah, so I think in that way, it did a good job of introducing the audience to this universe. So I, you know, I think overall this book is a success. We got to talk about the bad guys. Oh, Oh, we haven't talked about the bad guys. We haven't talked about the Nile at all. I was super disappointed with him at first because you get introduced to him and they're like, these crazy people, they wear these masks. They're so weird. They're a bunch of mercenaries. What are they doing? We can't understand them. Let's take off their helmet. Oh, they're just humans. Oh, there's just humans in like some... Uh, there's a roadie in there, and there's one of them's a Twi'lek. Uh, Nihilus is just okay. They just want chaos, but they do have a very specific hierarchy and belong <laughs> to these factions, which I think is maybe intentional. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. If you want like a faction of Nihilus, and there's there it ha- inherently has to be like organization, then it, it's kind of self contradictory. I was but, probably going into it like expecting more of a Yuzhen Vong type of vibe. That's it's what definitely I was not. Thinking. These are people from the Star Wars galaxy who are, like, upset at the Republic colonizing, I guess, in a way. But they don't do it in the right way. They're not upset that the Republic is colonizing. They're upset that the Republic is, like, stopping them from stealing credits. So it's just like, (laughs) oh, that's a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, (laughs) it's... It's lame. They're... Yeah. They're kind of boring in this book markian or martian row depending on I'm guessing it's martian row yeah the audiobook says martian the higher public show says markian so but that's not his name jake well i didn't find out his real name he doesn't say his real name in this book but we do find out that that that's not actually who he is boring it's like okay well yeah I either tell me who he is or like I don't care. <laughs> is it another silly name <laughs> that sucks? It probably is. <laughs> um, this is where things get into kind of like some Joris Sabayoff nonsense <sighs> with Marky yeah. and Rowe, where he has the big connection to like the modern canon is like the Santeca clan. Mm-hmm. Is okay. still very uh, prominent. Obviously, Laura Santeca is just a, a twinkle in his. Great, you know, great, 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 great grandfather's eye <laughs> at this point. But there's some there's some Santecas, and they're just kind of like elitist business people that are kind of boring losers. It's explained that like their family took the lead in discovering hyperspace lanes back in the day. Yeah, so I'm... they're rich because they're the first ones to figure out how to do hyperspace travel and how to get from planet to planet the most efficient way. So now they're all just boring and rich. I'm interested in this though, because one of the things that's kind of established in these new Thrawn books is that there's certain Chiss and they're called sky space walkers have the ability to sense like hyperspace lanes. And so I wonder if they're going to kind of do this thing and be like the Santecas are like kind of stole their abilities or you know stuff from the chis yeah because marky and roe he's given off serious chis vibes even though he's not a chis uh mm-hmm. spoiler he is given <laughs> off chis vibes and he's also like the re- the reason why this um these marauders are so effective is because they know all of these secret hyperspace lands and we should talk about this hyperspace garbage that i don't it's care like- about I made a joke earlier that this is about constructing highways, but this book hinges on hyperspace travel. It is like hyperspace is like the third most important character in this book. 
It's true. It's like how New York is the you know oh, main it's, characters. I was and just sex about to say that, Jake. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Never seen an episode of Sex in the City in my life. I don't know why that was front of mind. <laughs> um, so, yeah, hyperspace travel is a big important thing. Marky and Roe, he's. It's so confusing. He's not quite the leader of the Nile, but he's the eye of the... Who gives a crap? He's, for all <laughs> intents, the purpose. He's the main bad guy. And the reason why he has this pull is because he knows all the secret routes. He knows all the tricks. And it turns out that the reason why he knows these things is because he has an old lady in a cryogenic chamber who is oh an God. old Santeca who's like over 100 years old that creepy. they're keeping alive through Palpatine arm technology. What? And not really. It's but not actually just, Palpatine's, okay. but yeah. But hopefully that's what's ultimately revealed. And yeah, she's just really old and they wake her up sometimes. They, they read a red book, <laughs> read a bunch of random words. They bring her out of cryosleep and they're like, hey, uh, we need to find some roads. And she's like, what? oh, okay. <laughs> it's real dumb. I, I was need, not into I this need, at all. I need to, I feel like I need to admit something right now. Do Please. you like it? It's all kind of worked for me. It was kind of, <laughs> it was, I was super so weird. I was so not into this at all. It was, <laughs> it was so stupid. Here's my thing about it is like, it's super weird. I have zero idea what's going on. I'm assuming by the end of this series, I will understand everything. Oh, sure. But it is definitely like crazy weird out there makes no sense i have no idea how to describe this part to like jasmine and yet every chapter when i'm reading about martian row and what like him talking to this lady i'm just like oh this is kind of this is kind of working for me i like it. it is cool i hear okay so here's my bias going into this is like for me hyperspace travel is the least interesting thing in the entire world. And, and like in the yeah. real world, it would be the most interesting thing. But right. like in Star Wars, it's just like, it's how they get places fast. And it goes as fast as the plot needs. And this, there's a whole segment that I highlighted that is like, really goes into the detail of like, no, no, no. Hyperspace is like, it's like the speed force. It's like a different dimension that exists in a separate plane of reality. And there are pre-existing paths that you can yeah. access, but it's not like you can build one. It's like you have to find things that are already there. I'm just like, I don't care about this. I want Han Solo to be able to jump the Millennium Falcon out I of a hangar because it's cool. Then what are hyperspace lanes? They're the ones that are easier to find, but there are there are other things out there if you have the ability. And here's why I like it, because in all legends and everything – even in like the RPG and stuff like that, uh, the the fantasy flight games RPG, hyperspace is literally literally the most boring thing because yes, it is a way to get from one place to another place, um, and in those games it's just like well if you want to go from this system to that system it's going to take you three standard days. That's boring as heck. I don't care about that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But when you start telling me hyperspace is almost like alive or it is or there's something weird going on with hyperspace beyond it being a subway car (laughs) then i'm kind of getting into it because like i mean 
that's kind of like the force. Like, what the heck is the force? Yeah, I don't need maybe a super this is in-depth. Cool, actually, I don't know. It's <laughs> now that you're it saying be, it like this. It's kind of cool. It totally depends on how they pay this off, but it definitely seems like this Martian row and the Nihil in general. They, it's like uh, their their plan hinges on their control of hyperspace, and we know that in. Um, like by prequel era and on no one has control of hyperspace like this so what exactly is going on except like the hyperspace skipping that they do in um in rise uh, of skywalker rise of skywalker so it's just like is that going to be somehow connected to what they're doing here because it definitely seems like it Um, totally especially that like crazy like planet where there's like like mirror stuff going on in rise of skywalker that does feel very much like what they're talking about in this um book yeah so it definitely depends on how they're going to pay all this off but for right now i'm totally into how weird the nihil and the eye in Martian Row is yeah. I think we'll I just like I bristled at this whole idea, and I was just like, I don't know if I want totally fair this, yeah. but I don't know. I think maybe just like a lot of things. Like at first, I bristled at the idea of like force specialists. It's like ah, maybe this is actually cool, and I just don't have enough context for it yet. Okay, yeah. help me out with this, Riley. <laughs> Do we okay. figure out what caused the great disaster in this book? Yes. Um. It was it was Martian. Here's my one issue with him. I thought he was a pretty okay villain through most most of the book, and by the end of the book, and like literally by the last like three or four chapters, you find out that he is kind of just Thrawn light, where he's had all of this planned from the very beginning of the book. Um, he is the one who sent the ship in hyperspace to knock the other ship out of hyperspace that caused the great disaster and that set all of his plans in motion. The one place where he differs from Thrawn is that he is nervous through most of the book because he needed things to go exactly right for his plan to work and there were definitely moments of the book where it could have gone wrong. But by the end of the book, he's like, whew, that all worked out. Yeah. Now I'm like Thrawn. I'm really smart. I'm really great. And I'm going to be a bad guy. So he's different enough because he doesn't have the confidence of a Thrawn. But yes, everything that happened, the great disaster, all that stuff was him planning this. Would it surprise you to find out that Mark Thompson, narrator of the audiobook, gave Marky and Roe a very nervous voice throughout the, <laughs> the whole thing. He's like, um, uh, hey, Miss Santeca, we have, I'm worried this isn't going to work. Like, that's the kind of voice that he gave Marky and Roe, which, like, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, pretty- the, the reason why I didn't finish this is that usually I rely on the audiobooks to get to, you know, yeah. kind of breeze through these, and Can't I couldn't deal with it. So I've been reading it just in proper book form too and many I'm female characters in this book to listen to mark thompson read them you don't want it and they're and they have that. crazy cartoon accents it's it's all yeah. very bad um yeah the, the mark thompson report is he still sucks still the enemy of the show he's bad and if you like him you don't know what good acting is and you, i don't know <laughs> i pre-ordered the claudia gray audiobook because it's read by someone named Dan Bitterman or something like that. So I'm like, sure. <laughs> I don't know who this don't know who this dude is, but I'm gonna listen to him read a book because he's not Dan Mark Thompson. <laughs> he just sounds like the obnoxious neighbor in a 1970s sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hopefully he's good. 
I oh, I mean, he's Bitterman. They got Bitterman for this He's got to be good. He's got to um, be better than Mark Thompson. We the last thing we have to talk about real quick is just that there's a guy in this book named Kevin. No. Okay, we got to talk about names before. Should Kevin. we end on names or should we end on a couple good points that we like, like little small things? I don't want to drag this out for too long. Okay, um, but no, I'm just gonna. I think we just need to read some names. Let's go with some names, and then we have to give it okay. our, our patented rating scale. There's a uh, Lieutenant Bowman. Sucks. Don't put my name in Star Wars. My name doesn't belong in Star Wars. It doesn't fit. Well, your name didn't last very long in Star Wars. I'm going to be I honest died with in you. the first chapter. Yeah. But... <laughs> uh, Mervin Gitter. No. No. Gitterman. Ensign, Ensign Peoples. No! Okay, that was the one that I almost threw my book across the room. <laughs> Peoples. P-E-E. Yeah, P-E-E. Not like P-E-E-O. And then there's people like, Peoples, get over here. It's like, no, that's a silly name. Bell Zedifar. Bell Zedifar is one of the main characters, but every time I saw that name, I was like, no. It's not Star Wars. His name was terrible. That's not the worst. It's not the worst. But. Here's the worst. Douglas Sunvale. God, no. <laughs> There's a Jedi named Douglas Doug- now in Star Doug- Wars. Douglas Sunvale. Oh Douglas Sunvale like, is just a, a kind of a seedy owner of a chain of <laughs> mid-tier hotels. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so Dougie bad. Dougie the Jedi. There's someone named Jeffo, which is one step away from Zepho, which we know is the worst thing in Star Jeffo. Wars. Jeffo, that sucks. There is a Gungan Nihil lieutenant named Wet Bub. No! W E T space B U B. Now, they do clarify that it's a nickname. Yeah, and I forget why he has that nickname, but his name is Wet Bub, and that's how they refer to him every time. Wet, Wet Bub is a little tough. And then there's oh. Kevin Tar. Kevin? K-E-V-E-N. And it's just like, I, I swear to God, in our bad name episode, we're like, you know, because you have Kyle Katarn, and Kyle yes. is just too casual of a name. But it works for it some works reason. It works for me. Kevin Luke. does not work. Luke works in Star Wars. Luke works. I was trying to think about this, like, on the drive to work today. Like, why is Luke an okay name, but Kevin but is why, not? But why would John not work? Like, John would not work. John would Kevin work. Well, does not work. I, the only thing I can think of with Luke is that, like, you know, the like Star Wars is just based on ancient mythology, and, and Luke yeah. is this biblical name, and so it just it has that feel to it, but Kevin is just such a modern, western, boring person name. No hate to the Kevins out there. Here's here's what I think. Here's what I think. Here's my theory. With Kyle, you have Kyle Katarn, so what what is that called? It's like alliteration. A, it's alliteration. alliteration. Peter Parker, you know, it's Kyle yeah. Katarn. With Luke, it's, well, Luke Skywalker isn't anything, but you have Luke and Leia. I think Luke, it's and, Luke Leia. and Leia is what makes Luke oh, work. That's there true. So if you Good have point. Kevin, so if he was Kevin Carr, Kevin Carr, <laughs> Kevin yeah, Carr. I would. Kevin I, Carr is see? a little bit better. <laughs> it I, is a little <laughs> bit better. The alliteration might be it. Yeah. There's an old Jedi named Porter Engel. <laughs> I did not like Porter Engel. Oh, no. There's someone named Buggo. <laughs> There's Torben a Jedi Buck. There's a Jedi named Marcus. No! Keeve <laughs> Trennis, as in Trennis Racket. <laughs> how about, how, how's this one hit you, Jasmine? Beth Petters. 
<laughs> Her name is Beth. B E T H. Beth Petters. Petters and Peoples. I ship Petters and Peoples. These all made it past the team of like 20 people that had to approve this. And here's the final one that I wrote down. See if you guys can get this little sneaky reference to the great Jedi historian named Paolo Hidala. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. a, little, a little rough. Do you think do you think that is in reference to anything? I don't know. I don't I think it was in reference to someone who was canceled on Twitter. <laughs> and of course they made him the great Jedi historian who knows all the history of of their order. What a fun shout out for the fans. Shout out for the fans. I don't love so like the the, the star, the protagonist of A Test of Courage, which is the young adult book is Vernestra Rowe, mm. but it's W R O H. So I'm like Rowo. 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 I don't want to have to think that hard about. Yeah, the she's names. in this book briefly at the very end. Um, I want to just hit a couple quotes that I liked, and then we can be done. Give it our rating. Oh yeah, let me see if I can find a good quote. There's there was a couple there's a couple times in here where I'm just like I gotta highlight that because it rules. Um, so. These temples that they have all around the galaxy, they say that the Jedi try and blend them in with their local culture and environment. So the Jedi Temple on Kashyyyk is a huge tree. Um, on on Mount Kala, it's a gigantic raft grown from coral kelp and or coral with kelp dangling from its underside, providing like a reef for local creatures and stuff like that. So I thought that was pretty cool that like all the Jedi temples around the galaxy are just trying to blend in with their, with their places, which the inevitable video game could be very cool. Could be very cool. This, I mean like if they're going to do an open world game in the style of Assassin's Creed or whatever, like this era feels like that kind of thing. Yeah, but I'm sorry because I interrupted you and you were still going. No, that's okay. I was done with that one. I'm just looking for other quotes that I have. I've got some. Um, Okay, well, first of all, you missed that it is – we have Petty Officer Inamin and Ensign Peoples. Oh, that's right. Introduced in the same sentence. Inamin and Peoples. (laughs) Inamin. Now that – And his best friend, Eprika. If they do, like – a Star Wars in universe Star Wars variety show. It should be Inamin and Peoples. Inamin like that and is, Peoples. That's a good variety show. A pinch of Inamin. <laughs> a pinch of Inamin and a dash of Peoples. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the, the names are just a little tough in this one. And I mean, we've talked about this so much, but it's just, like the line between a good and a bad Star Wars name is so. It's razor, so thin, razor thin, razor crest thin, yes, and largely subjective. But in a minute, people. I think bad. we can all agree that like Beth Petters is a bad name, though. <laughs> Beth it- Petters just sounds like a name that like you would make up in an improv scene. I yes. Don't know. Um. Um. Okay. There's this Jedi named Jora, who is uh, on the council, and she's supposed to take control of this giant ship. Um, so in the chapter where it's from the council's point of view and they're arguing whether or not as in classic Jedi council order or like they're arguing whether or not to go to war with the Nihil, not really go to war, but whether to send Jedi to help. And here's, here's her inner thoughts during this council meeting. 
Jorah listened as the various council members presented their arguments. Great emphasis was placed on interpreting the will of the Force, listening for the voice of the Force, taking direction from the Force, and so on. Jorah found that a little tiresome, a philosophical vortex. She's really cool. She definitely prefers, like, action over all this uh, talking and everything. So I was super excited to see, like, where her character went. And she dies. So she's gone. Um, She's not going to be in any more books. So that's great. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I felt like with Avar Chris, there was always a lot of cool um, stuff. This one, it was just the quickest one I could find. Um, She's trying to – this is, like – we didn't talk about this, but, like, the the Jedi kind of form this, like, crazy spiritual force Voltron to try to, like, push <laughs> a piece of wreckage out of the way. I'm into like, it. in space mm-hmm. through the force. I mean, am I kind of describing that accurately? Yeah, that's how I read it. Like, yeah. they just, like, and she, using her battle meditation thing, just kind of connects everybody mm-hmm. in the force. And there's, like, the way they describe it, it's really cool because she's like, I feel like this absence over here. That must be so-and-so. He's not quite feeling it yet or, you know, something like that. So that stuff was all really cool. But, like, in part of that section, she says she was she was pushing, trying to make the Force reveal the answer to her. That was not the way. She needed to pull back, not shove forward, let the Force give her what it willed in its own time. And that was, like, it's kind of like a weird, like, frustrating thing, but it's also just it's interesting that that's how she views the forest and she is cool with that because you get the sense that someone like Bell Zetafar is like, well, screw that. If I can do something with the forest, I'm going to do it. And that's yeah. not Bell Zetafar. Um, Elzar man. Elzar like, man. That seems like a silly thing to do. I don't think he's the kind of guy who like, likes to wait for the forest to do its thing in its own time. Right. He's like, well, Elzar can, definitely can... has like strong Qui-Gon vibes because definite Qui-Gon at the vibes. end of the book, they make him a Jedi master. <laughs> Ooh. Even though it should have happened years before. Oh, did you not get there? I didn't get there yet, but he yeah. he wanted to be the whole time. He wanted to be a Jedi Master, and at the end of the book, they finally decide to make him a Master, and he's like, good, now I can finally get to work. He's like a mad scientist on the Force, is what it seems like. He wants to explore what the Force can do. Yeah, they describe him as a tinkerer the, with the Force. Yeah, he doesn't think the Jedi have like scratched the surface with what the Force can do. So we will watch his career with great interest because it's going to be interesting to see uh, what he comes up with. Yeah, but Avar is just like this old traditionalist. She's just yep. got this like she's the Obi Wan to wait for Force Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> she's just like you don't don't force it. You just gotta let it come to you. Even so, when the uh, freaking spaceship's about to kill five million people. Yep. Uh, yeah, because that Jorah that I mentioned earlier, she also makes uh, a point at some point where she's like, she says, whatever choice any Jedi made was the will of the Force. So she's like, kind of like, you know, it doesn't, we don't need to talk about all this. Whatever we're going to do is the right thing to do, which is a very dangerous attitude oh, yeah. for. <laughs> Uh, a Jedi Council member to have. So that's a real stepping stone towards, you know, Phantom Menace. Exactly. 100%. Well, we're doing it, so that means it's the right thing to do. That means it's the right we, thing. We, yeah. So telling us what to do. There are definitely Jedi out there who are. The, okay, the last thing I want to talk about, just me, my favorite highlight, is from the end of the book. I don't know if you've gotten here, Jake, but. Um, Martian Roe has captured a Jedi. I won't tell you who in case you haven't gotten there. 
He I has know a Jedi. Who it is, okay. But I won't spoil it for the listener. There you go. Don't spoil it for the listener. He has a Jedi captured. And Jedi are very hard to keep in control. Um because they have special magic force wizard powers. Yeah, he needs special lizards to keep him under control. He needs special lizards. No, he doesn't use lizards. He does something even more evil than lizards. And I kind of like it. Lizards. So the the final chapter with him starts with him walking down into his basement, and it's like the, this part of the ship is deserted. He just keeps Jedi and he's got the basement. Jedi in like in handcuffs and everything, but he keeps walking past all these empty cells where he's like, and in this cell we've got this person who he's not saying this, but like in this cell there's a person who is getting shocked with electricity every. 30 seconds and then over here this one's getting shocked every 30 seconds and there's like seven people and he's like it's a shame we had to get all these innocent people they don't deserve it but i needed them then he gets to the jedi's cell and this jedi is like having real trouble concentrating because of all the pain and anguish going on around him oh he can't even like he can't concentrate and use the force i'm like oh that is such an like it's bad (laughs) but that's such an ingenious way for a villain to like disable a jedi is just to have him constantly surrounded and he says you know like if any of these people die, I'll just grab more, you know, or if you, if you try and get out, I'll kill one of them and then just find someone else. And just like, you're stuck here surrounded by all this pain. And that's, and that's what he says is like, you don't imprison Jedi behind bars. You do it with pain. I never had a chance to try this before, but it seems like it works well enough. So I'm like, (laughs) yeah, this dude's a bad guy. He's kind of cool. I'm into it. (laughs) That is really clever. That's really, really cool. Yep. He also says the Jedi are always just behind, absolutely convinced that every action you take is right and good. So he's going to be an interesting villain. I'm excited to see more. Overall, good book. (laughs) Here's my review. He's better than like the generic Yuzhan Vong people that we were reading about. Yeah. You guys had me me scared for a bit there. Especially in the I was scared form. as well. The book had me scared. But yeah. I mean, in the first half, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, I, I've said it. Said, I've said it many times. But you know, I might give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> also, you know what? I honestly feel like this might not be the best entry point into the higher public. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like the characters are simple enough that I kind of feel like. Either the other, like the comics or the other books, maybe Claudia Gray's upcoming book, like you're going to be able to get a quick handle on these characters. Yeah. And you're going to be jumping into a more fully formed world. And it's, I mean, it's not that complicated. The Nile or Nihilists and a big bad thing happened. But yeah, I would say before you start on this one, maybe wait, wait for us to review the Claudia Gray novel and see if you want to read that (laughs) one. (laughs) I have a a sneaking suspicion that that book is going to be really good, mainly because she's a great author who writes awesome books. Um, But that, that might be the better entry point for this universe. And then after you read it, I think this book is worth reading. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But it is, you got to go into it knowing that it's just like a slog in the beginning. It is a, steep uphill climb that levels off in part two and then it just like slowly gets better from there but man it is rough to get to part two let's let's use our patented rating scale give me some ratings i don't know what that is what are you talking about 
Oh, boy. I mean, how much time do we have? It's a little complicated because, like, you know. Okay. We're familiar with numbers. Yes. It's like seven. You know? Seven. That's a great That's example of a number. That's all like, you need. Rhymes with That's, first of all, great number, but way, way too many numbers. We don't need that many. Oh, you know, okay. on your hand, you have five fingers. Even that, for a patented rating scale, too many. Too many fingers. We keep things simple around here. You give it a one, if it's not so good. Two, if it's pretty good. Three, if it's really good. But Very that's simple. too simple, you're thinking oh. and saying out loud to your <laughs> podcast phone. So we combine that with the classic letter grade system of pluses and minuses. So you can give something a two plus. Mm. You can give something a three minus. Mm. And I'm not so even going to bother mentioning any secrets, any secret numbers. Because it's I possible just, this book won't need a secret number. I don't if think there, we need if it. There I don't think we need one, to set the table We might not need to describe that. <laughs> no. Um, Riley, what do you rate this book? This is actually tough. Um, if I could separate it into two books, <laughs> I would give book two like a solid three and I would give book one a one, but seeing as how we have to put it all together, I will probably give it a two plus. Uh, Welcome to the the best friends podcast. I also was going (laughs) to give it a two plus. Yeah. That's where it deserves. I I was thinking about new Jedi order, which we have done a few of now. It, th- that is the infamous series. If you haven't listened to our other shows, like that's what the first book, you know, they kill Chewbacca by <laughs> shooting a planet in his face. And <laughs> that's all anybody knows about that book. But we were so surprised reading it because it's a great, exciting introduction to this new thing. Like, I yeah. feel like that book is a great first Star Wars book and that has very simple stakes a very hooky plot, which is like, oh my god, it's an alien invasion story in Star Wars. And the characters are like, very simple. We we follow a pretty set group of, of Jedi from beginning to end. And we have a big, cool, you know, action-y climax. And this book is so all over the place. We switched perspectives so much. And the villains are it's not immediately obvious how they function or like what their whole mythology is. You know, when we first meet them, it's like Marky and Rose, like hyperspace stuff is weird. What's going on there? And it's like, (laughs) Oh, so they're not even responsible. That's kind of weird. And then of course, yeah, he ends up being behind it. But like, so I don't know. It just, there's a lot of business in this book, a lot of of stuff going on, but not, not a lot of like, forward momentum until like the you know kind of very end where there's a big premonition of jedi dying and things like that which sets the tone for generally exciting things are going to be happening stay tuned so i I, I, yeah yeah two plus for me it's just like it's not the best intro but like the world building stuff is cool and you get excited for the future of the saga i i think it was at a disadvantage of um wanting to do the vector prime thing of having uh many points of view to introduce what what the galaxy how the galaxy is reacting to this thing however the disadvantage it has is going into vector prime the audience knows all of the characters involved 
Like that is know true. It's That's Luke Skywalker. It's Han Solo. It's the the Solo kids. Like we know these people going into that series, and in this this series has to introduce new characters. What's happening? And I I think it would have been a better story if this was a book about Avar Chris, but I think it had to introduce a world, which then makes it a little difficult yeah. for Charles Soule to keep it consistent. If I'm rewriting this book or I'm I'm editing this book, I'm like, make the opening five chapters. Just make it like as, you know, we have mixed feelings about old J.J. Abrams on this (laughs) podcast, but you kind of want this to be the J.J. Abrams opening of just like this is quick, punchy action. The, you know, dialogue is is snappy and then you get into your world building. And this is just for sure. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. We're we're just we're taking the heel toe express. <laughs> so that anyway, common no? saying we all know. And That's I what I. <laughs> it's a common thing I say. <laughs> I know so I anyway. understood it right. Me heel toe heels. You were walking. You're walking. <laughs> Christopher walking. The voice. Hey, we're that, walking uh, here. We're walking here. That's the voice of Christopher or Mark Thompson did for Marky and Row. Was that Midnight Cowboy? I'm walking here. Yeah. <laughs> You know, nah. if you think about it, New York is kind of a character in that movie. I was thinking about Sex in the City. <laughs> <laughs> Jasmine, quick, end it. This has been delicately curated, long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga, tailored to the modern fanatic, brought to you lovingly in weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your host, Riley. Give me more, Briaga, or I revolt. Jake. Kevin Tar, peoples. And me, Jasmine. My name is Jasmine Brocklebank. In Discord, we were supposed to talk about it, and we didn't. Bye! (laughs) Good app. That was a good app. Good app. I was listening to SpongeBob music earlier. <laughs> that is the SpongeBob song. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm.
I think this is going to be a classic GMT episode. I'm feeling good about this. Honestly. Where one of us is high on it, one of us is a little low, and Jasmine will be in the middle because she didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't end up hating it. It's just... No, no. I do think it's inappropriate for the entire first third of a book to be that incredibly boring i agree that it's inappropriate <laughs> i don't think a book should be allowed to do that <laughs> i agree i 100 percent agree okay. i think i'm i'm good i'm good to go whenever i think i'm also good to go whenever we don't have intro music so i have to put it in and post so all we have to do is clap at 07 oh <laughs> shoot I don't think I've ever been gotten. You got got, buddy. I got gotten. 17. <laughs> it has Shoot. been accomplished. Just to put everybody's minds at ease, found my highlights. It turns out oh, thank goodness. when you go to your highlights, you have to be in the right like part of the book. Because <laughs> there's like three uh, parts to this book. Didn't gotcha. I don't like that. Gotcha. I don't like that. All right. Seems it's silly. A clean, easy three-parter of a book. And boy, do you feel all the parts. <laughs> do you feel all the parts? And usually I love feeling all the parts, but buddy, <laughs> some of these parts. Disgusting. I'm sorry. Uh, That's not that kind of show. No. 